Welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Did he not? He did not? He did an excellent job. So that's one of the two things. And the other ordinance, the other rule of the church is we also take part in water baptism together. Uh, there, there are times where you can do a baptism with a small group of people, but there's something about when the church comes together and we're celebrating what God has done in someone's life. So today, we're going to look at some of the first baptisms in the New Testament. If you've got your Bible with, with you today, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at the beginning of the New Testament church, and we know that Acts 2 is known as what? It's the, it's the chapter where we look at the day of Pentecost. But I want to read to you what Peter and the disciples were preaching, and the church, they are just about to begin explosive growth at this time as the church. And Peter's explaining how Jesus was resurrected. He now stands at the right hand of God. And let's pick up reading Acts chapter 2, verses 36 and 37. We'll also have it on the screen for you. It says, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Now Peter at this moment, he is preaching a tough message. It's not a message I would want to have to preach. That's why it says there that the crowd was cut to the heart because he was explaining that Jesus was the Messiah. Notice it says God made him, meaning Jesus, both Lord and Christ. Christ is not a last name. Christ is who Jesus was. He was the anointed one. He was the Messiah. He was the chosen one. And Peter is telling the people, yeah, that guy Jesus that you crucified, he was God. He was Lord. And it says they were cut to the heart And they were compelled to ask the question, what shall we do? And I think it's interesting. I found a quote as I was researching this message. I don't know who it's from or I would give them credit. But it talks about seasons of times of revival. I'm hoping that America is is on the the brink of a time of revival. Are you excited? Are you hoping for that in in America? And, And this was the quote. It says, it has been said that in normal seasons of Christian work, the evangelist seeks the sinner. Yet in times of revival or awakening, things change and the sinner is seeking the evangelist. I don't know about you, but I am praying and believing that we're about to experience a time in America where the sinner becomes aware of their need for a savior. And we become aware that the things of this world like sex and drugs and money, they cannot satisfy us like our relationship in the Father of God who loves us. That is the only thing that can satisfy us. That we need to accept someone who is a higher power and his name is Jesus Christ. You see, these people, they were, they were so moved by what they heard from Peter and the apostles that they said, what, what can we do? And I hope that when we feel compelled, when we sense God speaking to us and and convicting us, that it doesn't just cause a feeling or an emotion and then nothing else changes. 
I hope that when we feel moved, that it then leads us to an action step. And that's why the, the crowd asks in this moment, what shall we do? And Peter answers the question in verse 38. Read this, it says, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first four words out of Peter's mouth in response to the question, what, what do I do with this good news of Jesus Christ that you shared with me? The first words are repent and be baptized. Peter starts with repent, meaning have a change in your mind. You need to recognize that the things you're doing, the way that you're living right now, is not a good example of someone who wants to follow Jesus. So, so repent of the way that you've been living, and then he says be baptized. Every one of you. Baptism is for each and every person. And there's a myth that I want to debunk real fast regarding our spiritual walk, such as baptism in water and baptism in the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. Those parts of our Christian walk with God are not for the extra spiritual people, okay? We always find ways to disqualify us from the purposes that God has for us. We always allow the enemy to talk down and we allow the enemy to, to, to tell us in defeat. We accept the words of, he says, you're not good enough. You, you can't get baptized. You've messed up too many times. Everyone knows what you've messed up with. You're, you're too big of a mess. Right? These are the words of doubt that come over us, that Jesus will never accept us because of what we're doing. But Peter shares this harsh truth. He says, yeah, you've messed up, but it's not over yet. So today, would you choose to repent and be baptized? They had sent an innocent man to the cross, but he didn't share that information with them to condemn them or to shame them, but to point them to a new hope that through repentance of their sin, there was forgiveness. So I'll explain something very clearly to you today. And these are three words that we're going to look at very quickly on baptism. And the first one is to repent. Repent. Repentance, or another way of saying it, it would be salvation. All you need before you have the opportunity to be baptized is repentance. That is the only precondition, that's the only prerequisite, that's the only obligation you need before baptism. In fact, many times throughout the New Testament, when you, see, when you would see someone receive the gift of salvation they would get baptized in that same day. At the very same moment, because salvation and an awareness of the love of God should move us to action. It should move us to an encounter with the Almighty God who loved us enough to send His Son, live a sinless life, die on the cross, and be resurrected with power over sin and death. So that when we call on the name of Jesus as the only way, I want to make sure we're on the same page. Jesus is not a way to the Father. He's not one of the routes that you can go. Jesus is the only way. And when you call on him, he will save you. Repent can sound like a harsh word, especially from a preacher up on a stage, right? 
but it's essential to the gospel. In fact, I've heard it said that repentance is the first word of the gospel. It's the word that both John the Baptist and Jesus would proclaim as they'd say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Before they said the kingdom of heaven is here, they would say, repent, because the kingdom of heaven is here. And I want you to know that repentance is not something that we do before we can come to God. Repentance is the actual coming to God through the invitation from Jesus. I want to make sure you know this. Don't sit there and think, i got to get myself cleaned up before I can come to God. The only way that you can get cleaned up is through the power of Jesus Christ. You think you can do it on your own? You're going to be in the same spot for a long, long time. It is only through the power of Jesus that your life can be changed. We talk about repentance is changing your mind. It's changing your direction. That means that at one moment, your direction is facing away from God. You think you can change that on your own? I promise you, you can't. But through the power of Jesus Christ, you can do all things. And he gives you the ability to change your heart and your mind and your direction. Repentance is not done before coming to God. It is the act of coming to God. You with me this morning? You can't repent on your own. And in contrast, baptism, getting baptized is not what you do after you've been saved for years and years and you know everything now. I feel like we look at baptism as a certificate, as a degree to say, I've been following Jesus the past few years. Baptism is not in the middle or the end of your journey in in Jesus. It can be at the very beginning. It's it's, it's supposed to empower you to walk. It's a public declaration of what's already happened in private. I think about water baptism, and I said we look at it as a certificate or graduation. But we know that once we're baptized, life's not over. It's not perfect. I told those that got baptized earlier, it's not like you're perfect and you'll never sin again. It's going to empower you to walk through your Christian life with him. Same way with the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's a way that it empowers you. It's an enhancement in your walk with Christ. Doesn't mean you've arrived. I hope we know we've never arrived as a disciple of Jesus, right? We always need to be learning. We always need to be growing. Let me show you what Peter says after he encourages them to repent and be baptized. Read verses 39 through 41. He says, For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. He starts out by saying, The promise is for you, it's for your children. It's for all who are far off. God is calling to himself everyone. He's calling on you. He's calling on your children. But he's also calling out to those who are away from him. He's calling to those that are disconnected. To those who have fallen away. Peter says he's calling on all people. And when it comes to salvation and baptism in water and and the gifts of the Holy Spirit... We don't believe there's an age limit where you have to be this old to receive. 
You know, you got to be this tall to ride the ride. That's not what we believe. He says the promise is for you, and he says the promise is for your children. Notice he does not say the promise will be for your children once they're old enough. He says the promise is for your children now. And I want to make sure that we're on the same page. Here at the gathering, we don't believe there's a junior salvation. We don't believe there's a junior baptism. We don't believe there's a junior Holy Spirit. The importance is not the age. The importance is the understanding. So we don't believe in infant baptism. Why? Not because it's bad. If you were baptized as an infant, there's nothing wrong about that. But you could not personally make that decision for Christ at that moment. It's about understanding. There could be someone who's seven or eight years old that has the knowledge that they've decided to live for Christ. And I'm thankful this morning we have some of those that are going to get baptized. Some of the kids, praise God. Yeah. But you could also be older than seven and eight and not yet have that recognition that you are in need of a Savior. And I know for some of us, we all have different stories, right? Shanna, she was baptized when she was about six years old and saved before that. I'm sorry, saved when she was six years old. I was a little bit more of a rebel. So I was like seven or eight years old when I got saved. Um, But I got baptized a year or two later, uh, actually in a very similar tank to this one right here. It was at a church picnic right after service on Sunday morning. uh, And the water was absolutely not warm. We warmed this up for you guys. Uh, Rob, it was warm for you last year, right? Very warm. Uh, And so we wanted to, we spoiled you guys a little bit. I hope that's okay. But my dad had me and my older brother get baptized on the same day. Because the scripture says here, the promise is for you. It's for your children. And it's for those that are distant from God right now. Salvation, baptism, the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise is for you right now. Then Peter continues to preach and exhort and encourage them with the message. If you notice that last verse that we read, it says those who received his word were baptized. And they added 3,000 souls that day. Can you imagine that? God, would you do it again? Would you add to your church again 3,000, thousands of people coming to a relationship with Jesus Christ? Let it be done, amen? But what does it say? It says those who received his word were baptized. Receive. Second point today is that we have to receive. If you don't receive these words over your heart, if the people today getting baptized, if they don't receive before they choose to get baptized, they're doing nothing more than taking a dunk in there. They're nothing more than taking a bath in there. You have to claim that Jesus is Lord and receive the words. That's, That's what true repentance looks like. Repenting for what you've done, for where you've been, and now you are receiving the work that Jesus has already done for you. And notice when we're we're baptizing people in a few minutes, we're going to say their name. We're going to say, upon your confession of faith, we baptize you. Your confession of faith in Jesus, due to the fact that you have accepted him, you have received him into your life as Lord of your life. Repentance without receiving Jesus is nothing more than a temporary solution. 
Because you cannot expect long-term change without the lifelong friendship of Jesus Christ in your life. If you're not walking in life with Jesus, you're going to go back to those old things. You have to receive, just as the people had to receive the words of Peter. You know, I, I could preach, you know, a great message, one of the best I've ever written. I could be passionate at times. I could make you laugh at times. I could make you cry at times. But if you weren't willing to receive it, what would it matter? Now, on the opposite end, if I'm stumbling through my message, if I'm struggling with it and the stories I tell don't make any sense and it's just a mess and I feel like a mess coming off the stage, but you came in ready to receive and you received something from God beyond me, and you saw the scripture, and it hit you home, and you received it. That's why we say things like, God, give me a heart to receive what you're saying. When we read the word of God, when we pray, when we listen to a message, give me ears to hear what you're saying, God. Give me eyes to see what you're, you're showing me. If you can get past my insufficiency, and you came ready to receive, God will show you something. Do you have a heart to receive the word? That's all that's necessary for conversion. And I want to make it clear as well that baptism is not conversion, okay? It's a symbol of conversion. I want to be clear on this, okay? Baptism is not conversion. When people, when they're going to go into the water today, they're not walking into the water unsaved and coming out of the tub saved. That's not how this works. That work has already been done in private, and now this is a public declaration. You, do you want to know how to be saved? Read Romans 10 with me. Romans 10, 8 and 9 tells you how to be saved. It, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You are saved through confessing that Jesus is Lord and believing and receiving him as your Savior. Baptism is not conversion. It's taking that conversion public to the world. Baptism in the Spirit is not conversion. It's an enhancement in your, power, in your spiritual life to give you power and courage to live out your life for Christ. Baptism is a symbol. Are you with me? Wow, that was not encouraging. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Not encouraging. We're almost done. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8 if you've got your Bible. Acts chapter 8. I want to show you briefly the story of Philip baptizing the Ethiopian eunuch. Here in Acts 8, there was a, a man named Philip. Earlier, he had been selected by the disciples to, to help in the preaching and the teaching of the word. He was preaching in Samaria, and then God directed him to go from Jerusalem to Gaza. And along his way, there was a, a eunuch or a court official. And he was sitting there. He was reading in his chariot the word of God. We know this because in those days, you would read out loud a lot of times. And the Holy Spirit nudged him. He nudged Philip to go over to the eunuch. Let's, let's look at this story before we close. Acts, Acts 8 starting in verse 30. It says, So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked, Do you understand what you're reading? 
And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Just so you know, that's kind of similar to how Shanna and I interact when we're trying to read uh, like Ikea furniture instructions. What are you reading? How can I know what I'm reading? This doesn't make any sense to me. Anyways, how can I unless someone guides me? He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Philip is led by the Spirit to this man who is in need of understanding. And he could read the Bible for himself, but he needed revelation. And thankfully, God provides for us when we are searching after him, when we're seeking after God, he will reveal himself to us. And the word of God opened his heart in this moment to receive. And the eunuch was ready to respond. That's our last one today, our last R word. To repent, to receive, and to respond. Knowledge received must lead to action. Because action confirms our belief. If you tell your friends that you love them, you tell your family, your spouse that you love them, but yet you do nothing to show that there is no action, you don't spend time with them, you don't give them gifts, how will they know that you love them without action? It's amazing that God in this moment makes a way for action for the eunuch. Aren't you thankful God makes a way in this moment? You might be thinking, how is it significant that this man would see water? It's not a big deal, right? The thing is, between Jerusalem and Gaza, this is actually desert land. This is a wasteland. This is no man's land. There's nothing out there between Gaza and Jerusalem. And yet, God made a way for the Ethiopian eunuch to see water and realize he could take action to respond to the good news of Jesus in this moment. And I want to ask you this morning that same question that the eunuch asked. If you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you have not yet chosen to be baptized, I ask you the same question that the eunuch asked. What is stopping me from getting baptized? What is standing in the way of this public declaration of your faith in God? That's the question that he asked. And look at what Philip said after he asked this question. And it's interesting because if you read the ESV version like I do, you were a little messed up or you're a little confused because there is no 37th verse in the chapter. Some Greek manuscripts took it out. It goes straight from 36 to 38. But what they assume Philip said here in this moment is he asked 
do you believe with all your heart? And the eunuch responded, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And then let's read verse 38 together. Worship team, come up and help me close this out. Verse 38, it says, He commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. They went down into the water, and he baptized them. That word in the English, baptize, it comes from the Greek word baptizo. It simply means to, to dip, to immerse in water. We're talking about baptism in water. We're talking about being submerged in water. You're talking about the baptism in the Spirit. You're, you're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the eunuch was baptized. He was submerged in water, as we're going to see people submerged in water here today. But all that came from, first, a repentance from sin, receiving the gospel, and that led to a response of dedication. But I keep circling back to that question that the eunuch asked when he said, what is preventing me from getting baptized? When he said, what, what is getting in the way for me right now? What is holding me back? It could be for some of you that you're here at church and you love being in this building, you love being with these people, but you have not yet made a personal decision to repent of your sins and receive the gospel of Jesus. You know, here at the gathering, we talk about belonging, believing, and becoming. It's kind of our, our core principles, our foundations, and it starts with belonging saying, I don't care where you've been, I don't care what you've been through, but you belong right here. I hope that we have a culture, right, as a church, that anyone that comes through those doors, they belong to this group. There's no judgment, there's no shame, they belong here. But here's the thing, we can't just stay at belonging. If we only focus on belonging, we are missing a vital part of being a church. We have to push people towards their belief in Jesus Christ. It goes from belonging to believing to becoming. Whatever you came from, whatever your background is, you belong. And today, I ask for those that you've been belonging, but you haven't yet believed, could today be the day that you make a decision for Jesus Christ? Because there's nothing more important than making a decision to follow Jesus. I promise you, everything else in life is secondary, tertiary. It is way below a decision for Jesus. And if you're here and you've not repented, meaning you have not asked God for forgiveness of the things that you've messed up, you've sinned, we've all sinned. It's not a perfect person in this place other than Jesus Christ. You say, I, I, I don't know that I've sinned. Well, have you hated someone before? Uh, yeah, you've sinned. Have you stolen something before? We've sinned. Have you lied before? We've sinned. Have we lusted before? You've sinned. Have we gossiped before? We've sinned. We are all short of the glory of God. But there is a way, for the wages of sin was death. That's what the Bible says. That's why we believe Jesus had to die for our sins. The wages of our sin was death. I've heard it many times of 
a comparison to a courtroom where the judge is saying, hey, Matt, you've done all these things, this list of, of wrong things. You, 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 should, you should die for your sins. This is the penalty for what you've done. But Jesus Christ came into the courtroom and he said, I've got it. I'll pay that fine. And when we repent and we accept that gift of salvation, Jesus comes into our heart. Would you stand with me as we close this morning? If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer to accept Jesus into your heart, or you have, but since then you've made some decisions that you regret, after making that decision, you'd say, my lifestyle did not line up with what I claimed when I confessed my sins. If that's you today, I want to pray with you. Would, you. would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes at this time? If this is you and you've been belonging, but you haven't yet been believing, I want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus into your heart. We're not looking around. This isn't to embarrass anybody, but if that's you, I want to pray with you in mind today. If you would, would you slip up your hand and say, I, I've not accepted this gift of salvation. I want to accept it for the first time. Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? You've not accepted the gift of salvation. And you want to accept Jesus into your heart today. Awesome. Church, let's pray this prayer together. Would you, would you repeat these words after me? Father God, I thank you for sending your son Jesus to come to this earth, die for me, and be resurrected with power over sin and death. Forgive me for the things that I've done, for the things I've said, things that I've thought. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Jesus, come into my heart. I turn from my sin and I turn towards you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, we welcome you in to the family of God. And we're glad to have you and to celebrate you. Yeah, give it up. I hear some clapping. <laughs> We're thankful for that. And today, as we close this time, and the worship team is about to lead us into a new song, and then we're going to go into baptism. Whether you've just received Jesus for the first time in this moment, or you've received him a while ago, but you've never been baptized, I want to ask you that question again that the Ethiopian asked, saying, what is stopping me? What is preventing me? And in just one moment here, we're going to have eight people go back to get baptized. But if that's you, and you feel God stirring in your heart something, we made room for you to spontaneously make this decision for Jesus and get baptized. We got extra clothes for you. We've got extra towels for you. If you have not made that decision, and you want to join the group of eight getting baptized today, there's, a, there's space for you today. So right now, in the back, in my back right, your left, the group that is getting baptized is going to move and we're going to have directions. Teal is right there. She's waving her hands. She's going to take you back to get baptized. If you feel God stirring in your heart to join this group, you can join them as they go back. 
And church, when they come out this side door here after this song, we're gonna get ready to celebrate them. We're gonna be loud because Jesus is in this building and he is getting all the glory as people are choosing publicly to declare their faith in Jesus this morning. Amen? Let's join the worship team in worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.